4 o'clock football frenzy is presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. Here we go, 4 o'clock hours here. Adam Hill is the company. It's Cofield. Getting ready to uh, watch the awards handed down by the NHL. See if uh, Mark Andre Fleury finally wins the uh, Vesna. Four thirty start for the show. Supposed to be a half an hour award show. So we'll see what happens with uh, Mark Andre Fleury. We're getting ready for NBA basketball tonight, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. We'll have the Hawks and the Bucks as the Hawks try to uh, get back into the series. It's not like they're way out of it. They're down two one. But my God, if Trey Young is only like fifty or sixty percent, it's going to be a lot of trouble. I'll bite, even though these lists are kind of stupid. I'll bite. Sporting News has put together a list of uh, college football coaches, one to one thirty, right? One hundred thirty Division One programs. Uh, at the top, Saban, Dabo Sweeney, Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, Jimbo Fisher, Ryan Day sixth. Oh. Kirby Smart, 7th, Dan Mullen, 8th, very mature Dan Mullen, leader of men. can trust your kids with him. He's a buffoon. Uh, Matt Campbell, about a hot, as hot a prospect in college football for the NFL as we've seen in a long time. Turned down, what, 8 for like $88 million with the Lions. Uh, number 10, one of the old guys, Mac Brown. Are there some names you can think of that should be in the top 10 that I didn't just mention. Yeah, I mean, I I may be biased, but I'm putting Harbaugh up there. Harbaugh is 15th. Okay. Ed Ed Orgeron's ahead of him at 14. Yeah, SEC bias, I guess. Orgeron's been great. I mean, it wasn't great last year, but he's been very good. Luke Fickle, Cincinnati, 13th? Hmm. I mean, I think he still has to prove it, but... Certainly, the uh, the pedigree is there. Kirk Ferentz, Iowa, 20th. Too high. Clay Helton, 25. David Shaw, 24. I mean, David Shaw, I feel like, should be higher. I agree. Uh, the Lane Train, now at Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, 26. Okay. That's probably, I mean, listen, I, I think you, you can hear numbers and you could go through and you right. think, oh, this guy should be higher, this guy should be lower. But you do have to, you know, say who they'd be higher than or who you should put them ahead of um, if you want to put them higher. And, you know, sometimes you think somebody should be much higher, and then you start going down the list. You're like, okay, that's probably about right. Herm Edwards, Arizona State, 34? 75. He's running into some trouble now. Yeah. This one's interesting. Steve Sarkeesian, 40th at Texas. Um. Lance Leipold or Leipold, who's over from Buffalo to Kansas, is forty second. Okay. Well, he's he's got I mean, he's a really good coach, but he's got a huge uphill battle to fight. Uh, where is he ranked after this coming season if Kansas goes one and eleven? Which is, I mean, that's the hilarious part of this is that you know it's so results based as a lot of things are, which is you know uh, the lowest form of thinking. Uh, but it, it will be. He'll drop down, even though he won't change as a coach. It's yep. just the perception will change. 
Marcus Arroyo going to the bottom of the list out of 130 is 126. After a half season, two-thirds of a season at UNLV, 126. Come on. Who's behind him? Uh, coaches at Marshall, South Alabama, Southern Miss, and the new Buffalo coach. Oh, good. He's one th- new Buffalo coach is 130. Come on, dude. I just like the, you stink. <laughs> You've never right. done anything. You're, new job. You're the worst coach in the country. That's why some of these lists are very silly. Yeah. Um, as you said, we have zero idea how he is as a coach, but we're going to rank him 130th. Okay, good enough. Uh, other uh, other Mountain West coaches. By the way, the uh, Boise State Broncos hired the 112th coach in the country. Andy Avalos, I guess, is going to be a disaster. So they didn't consult this list before they made the decision? Yes. Uh, Boise has a worse coach than Steve Adazio and CSU. Okay. I'll take their word for it. Adazio's 105. This is a Sporting News 1-130 to 130 college football coaching list. I said I hate these, but I'm starting to love it. Kalen DeBoard, Fresno, is right behind Adazio at 106. Uh, some other familiar names. Uh, Butch Davis, now apparently is not a good coach. At FIU, he's 94th. Craig Bowl at Wyoming's 93. Uh, Jim McElwain's all the way down at 90 at Central Michigan. Butch Jones, he's back in college football. I betcha Arkansas State is pretty good this year. He's the 88th best coach. Okay. Um, I mean, I think this is a heavy diss. Jay Norvell at Reno is 85. Brent Brennan is 81 at San Jose State. I mean, I feel like Brennan should be higher. Jed Fish, who hasn't coached college football as a head coach, is ahead of both at Arizona at 79. Just silly. I mean, just, like, I mean, you said it from the beginning. These lists are preposterous, but they're also hilarious and fun. Hmm. Sam Pittman at Arkansas. Second year for him now? Sounds right. Solid, solid first year. He's 56. My guy, Greg Schiano, Rutgers, uh, I don't know, in like his 19th year, two split, whatever, 16 years at, at uh, Rutgers. He's 61. So there you go. Wouldn't he have been in like the 40s like two years ago? Uh, he would have been in the top 10 for coordinators. True. Would he have been in the 40s at his height at uh, at Rutgers in the Big East and the AAC? I don't know. Probably higher. I know this. I'm mentioning, I'm mentioning a lot of guys who are actually recruiting really well right now, and that's only part of the job. Um, and my defense of Marcus Arroyo is I do believe that he has brought in two bang-up classes, including transfers, these first two years. Now we have to see the result on the field. Yeah, to be fair, when you're making this list – all you're really looking at is, well, he had one pandemic plague season and didn't win a game and yeah. wasn't particularly close to winning one. So you've got to put him pretty low on the list, but that doesn't mean that's where he's going to finish. And as we said, like a lot of these guys, one year can swing a lot of these rankings because, you know, you can see a little bit more of a sample and see what direction they're headed in. And all of a sudden that changes how everybody thinks about them. Going back to the top of the list, can you be the number two coach in the country if – Based on what you've said in the past, you are dead set. You hate NIL, name, image, likeness. Can you can you be number two, Dabo Sweeney, if you've already said, if the kids get paid, I'm going to get another job? Well, he hasn't. I mean, it I mean, seems I would, like it's going there. Don't you naturally leap to the conclusion that this is going to be a, a disaster at Clemson? Like he's going to try to suppress any monies he can? No, he's going to go the other way. I mean, oh, really? He's going to, oh, oh, yeah. He's going to a race, huh? Okay. 
Actually, you know what? No, uh, my guy Dabo will do the right thing, Steve. I forgot. I forgot he's my guy now. We, after we had that conversation last year. That would be – I know he is your guy. Uh, the Clemson Raiders. That would be maybe the most important thing this list cannot address is, one, how a state is going to handle NIL, and two, which coaches and their staffs – and then we're not just talking about staffs and their staffs. We're not just talking about the football staff. We're talking about the school and the admin and who's sure. going to be the best at using NIL effectively. You can have some wild card emerge where, you know, and like we said, there's, I know people are looking at this as the haves and have nots and the have nots are just completely screwed. You know what? For, for all I know, there could be a have not that becomes freaking Gonzaga of college football. Because they're like, oh, oh, it's wide open now. Okay, well, these are our rules. And we're going to get enough you know, money from around the program that we can compete with Power 5 schools. Yeah, some school hires like Don Draper, like an ad man as their head coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like, figures it out. That'd be great. But I, I think I think what you're, what you're alluding to is correct in that it's, it's going to change the sport so much yep. that – like you know, somebody, some people might get left behind. Some people might not adapt quick enough or figure it out quick enough, and and others might figure it out much more quickly than everybody else. And that could greatly swing. It's like you know, it's like a new offensive innovation. Like it, it just changes the game, and who can figure it out quickest? Can I give you one of the crazy possibilities for an outsider? And this coach is actually ranked thirtieth because he's a good coach. He's just you know morally bankrupt and. <laughs> You know, lies through his teeth. Um, what do you think Liberty and you oh. freeze can do with the NIL? I mean, did you? Uh, I was going to ask if you watched. Uh, last do, you, do you see what these preachers, how they live? I know. Like these gemstones. They treat the kids like that, and they're like, like all of a sudden, oh, well. Is that realistic? Are the are the are these televangelists actually going to be like, you know what, let's really want to build a big college football program. I don't need that third jet. Can you just can you just allow the players to host the televangelist shows every Sunday? <laughs> Start collecting that. money. You get our you point, right? It. The the possibilities here are endless. All right, on the way back, let's get to our buddy Miles Simmons, bunch of Raiders stories out right now. Well, Raiders related stories. We've got Derek Carr saying, Hey, I'm ready to recruit. Devontae Adams, and then more list uh, ranking the Raiders and suggesting they're in trouble at multiple spots because uh, they're uncertain at positions and they don't have enough depth at certain positions. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. You're listening to Cofield and Company. Everyone said one of the best. He's the best receiver, you know, in the NFL. You know, the guy is unbelievable. I, I will be recruiting very hard. So when that time comes, uh, it will be a full court press. Here we come, baby. Just win, baby. Derek Carr. Harmless interview at a Fresno golf tournament, ABC 30, with the video there. Now, if you're Adam Hill, you probably write this up in some 
or with some inflammatory terminology, car ready to recruit Devontae Adams. If you're Miles Simmons and you work a pro football talk, you do the right thing. And the header on this one is Derek Carr. I would always welcome playing with Devontae Adams again. It's so much different. Miles, that's why I appreciate you as a journalist. Fine job, my friend. Fine job. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much, Steve. I do try to be as objective as I possibly can be. But I will say for clicks, you're an idiot. Why didn't you put the whole thing about him recruiting him? Uh, you know what? It, because sometimes we want to have shorter headlines. So, you know, yeah. it's like, well, if I'm going to do this, then what's the most effective thing that I could do? And, like, you can let your mind work and say, like, oh, yeah, you know, is he, where is he going to go? Like, where are they going to play together? Is this, does this mean that Derek Carr might be traded? Or is Devontae Adams getting traded? Or what's happening with that? See, it makes your mind work, and then you want to click and see the answer. So, you know, if he's saying he's recruiting him, then that makes it more like, oh, he's definitely going to go play for the Raiders, which I didn't really want to do. I wanted to leave more up to interpretation. You know, I was busting your cops. You're not an idiot. Um, but I do find it very interesting the way the story has been covered. And apparently now it's about journalistic responsibility because I guess uh, why is your guy Mike Florio uh, going after our local radio host? What's the problem here? Oh, well, I think that the uh, issue is more or less that uh, they were talking about uh, who Tom Brady was calling the mother bleeper, right? Like, uh, so whatever... Apparently, like, there's been some speculation that that could have been Derek Carr with the Raiders. There's some people in these circles who believe that. And then Mr. Bonsignor, who is also my former colleague at the Las Vegas Review Journal, talked about how uh, this was not uh, something that you should be that should be done with journalistic integrity. And journalistic integrity still matters. And then Mike, now current boss, Mike Florio, went back at him with, uh, a post she wrote that was based off something Vinny wrote in the Review Journal back, I think it was in February, where Vinny cited NFL insiders saying that Derek Carr could go for two first-round picks, which, I mean, with all due respect to Vinny, I don't think that that would ever happen. And, like, if somebody's telling him that, then that's what he's doing. He's reporting that, right? So it's not like Vinny says that Derek Carr could go for two ones. It's like, well, no, Vinny's reporting that somebody's telling him that he could go for two ones. So it's just, you know, a little fun banter between a local writer and the national writer. I, I think it's always is a little bit interesting. And this is the kind of thing that happens in late June, early July, where none of us have the subject that we usually are covering. So, you know, things, things tend to flare up when people have a little more time. And, Miles, it is Derek Carr, right? What? The, 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 the MF? Um, yes. Probably. Uh, like, sorry, I <laughs> somebody's hitting the dump button. I don't know exactly like what the FCC regulations are for you can uh, say that. the bleep bleep guy. Okay, well, good. Uh, yeah, I, I think it, I don't know, man, it, it, because apparently it's not Garoppolo, which is like the one that I definitely thought. But when you see the, the, the um, what he was talking about in the full context, and he says Brady, I mean, and he says, oh, I wasn't going to go to that team anyway. I don't think he would have gone to the Raiders. So. It certainly could have been Derek Carr, but it also could have been a lot of other different teams. I don't know, but yeah, it, Derek Carr makes sense logically. Well, I'm, I'm, I'll I'll take it one step further. When you watch it, when when I saw the first clip, which was when HBO released as a uh, as a teaser to the show, I thought for sure it's Garoppolo, and I tweeted it. I was like, yeah, I think it's got to be Garoppolo that he's talking about. But then you see in the full context, not only does he say he wouldn't have gone to the team, but he also says, "So I'm going to go kick your butt." Well, we saw what Brady did to the Raiders. Like it kind of adds up. Who would who was pursuing him? Backed out. 
uh, didn't want him in the end. He wouldn't have gone there anyway, and he destroyed them in the regular season. Like, it really only leaves the Raiders. And, yeah, I mean, you're right in that way, for sure, uh, especially given what happened in that game, you know, where he lived. I mean, they literally destroyed the Raiders, and I, I just always go back to the fact that that game was supposed to be in prime time, and it only got moved out because of COVID reasons, and so that we didn't miss a Sunday night football game. Like, that, to me, it, like, imagine if that had been a national embarrassment more than it really was, because... <laughs> It was just, I believe, on Fox in the middle of the afternoon instead of being on NBC on Sunday Night Football, which is, I don't know if you guys know this, the highest viewed show in all of television at the moment in America. Uh, I mean, do you work for NBC, Miles? Yes, I do. I, I work for NBC <laughs> in pro football. I just want to make sure that you guys know, you know, because not everybody knows that. You know, live sports and live football and Sunday night football is something that's really important, and it is shown on the best network on television that is NBC. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to uh, do you want to promo the Stanley Cup final, the last one on NBC coming up? Is that is that your next thing? We, you know what, Miles, please do because the numbers have been terrible so far. So someone, someone who works for NBC should be a little pro hockey down the stretch here. Oh my God, oh, God, this is the second time in three weeks that you guys have talked to me about hockey, and I, <laughs> I think that it's the Lightning and the Canadians that are in it the is, Stanley yes. Cup yeah. final, yeah. right? Okay, well, wow. I'm glad I knew that. Um, well, we really, we, we, re- we really got you. We really got you last time because our buddy Willie Ramirez was filling in, and Willie, you know, wasn't aware that you don't follow hockey at all, and he had this long question and was referencing Mark Stone on several occasions. Oh. And Miles just comes back on. And he's like, "Who? I, I, I've never <laughs> he heard of Mark he Stone in hockey. my life." And somebody, there was a listener that was very offended that I did not know who Mark Stone was. And oh, really? that listener, I we have to tell you, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> You're a football guy. That's your beat. That's your beat. Uh, yeah. Well, while we're on it, and this is why he's on, um, when do we find out that Aaron Rodgers is going to opt out uh, with minimal cost and skip this season? Let's go. I don't I don't think that that's going to happen. And I know is like, what Mike Florio does, and I think he does it so well, is he presents all of the different scenarios that could happen. And then sometimes people, especially in this time of year, they start talking like, well, why are we doing this? And why are we doing that? And it's like, why are you covering that? And it's like, well, because this is something that actually is plausible and it could happen. And we are in the business of trying to inform people about different things that could happen. Do I think this will happen? No. I still tend to think that Aaron Rodgers is going to show up to training camp. Maybe he misses a day or two just to make it a little bit more dramatic. But at the end of the day, this is a guy who is coming off of an MVP caliber season. We know that if he's playing, the Packers have a chance to go deep into the playoffs. Frankly, they have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Like that's just the way it is when Aaron Rodgers is playing. So I just don't think that he's going to give up a year of that um, just to prove a point. It doesn't. It, it, logically, to me, it just doesn't make sense. And you know, Aaron Rodgers could do some things that are logical. I get that too. But I, I just feel like he set himself up to come into training camp and say, "My issues are with the front office. My issues are not with my teammates or my coaches. I'm here." to do whatever I can to win another championship with Green Bay Packers, and then whatever happens after the season, that could be a very different story. But I just don't see him not playing for the Packers this year. Oh, so I was going to follow up. Where is, what's he going to do? But you you seem to think he's actually going to be in training camp. I don't think he shows up at training camp. Well, I think he will because I, I, there's no way that those fines get taken out, right? Like, that's the new thing in the CBA. And I think when it starts costing you real money, then that's a consequence that it would make me ask 
right? Like they can wipe out the Packers scan, wipe out the fine for everything that happened at minicamp. You, it's mandatory, but if you're Aaron Rodgers, like production equals tolerance, right? If he wanted to sit out and prove a point, he can do that. The Packers can't take away these fines that would come if he decides to sit out training camp. And again, I think that at most he probably he might sit out a day or two of camp just to make his point. You know, you fork over, you know, a few dozen thousand dollars. That's something that Aaron Rodgers can afford to do. But he's not going to just give up all of his money just to prove a point. I, maybe if he does, he's, you know, got some stronger convictions than me because I just would never do that. I, I, like, if, it, if it starts to get up to, you know, however many thousands of dollars it is, I think it's something like $4,000 with a fine, you know, that you can get over a day or two, and I don't have the information in front of me, so I apologize if I just got that wrong. But, like, that's a point where I'm not doing that, you know? Like, I'm not giving up a, a Volkswagen Golf R every single day that I'm not there because I'm trying to prove a point. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk, is on with us. Last couple of minutes here, and Miles is awesome. Dude is posting 10, 12 stories a day, even in a – you know, when it gets a little bit slower here, Pro Football Talk had this tweet that they sent out a little while ago. I just wanted your opinion, kind of a college football NFL crossover topic. Uh, PFT said uh, the coming NIL explosion could have a significant benefit for college football. Some players may be more likely to stay in school longer, delaying their entry to the NFL draft. Do you buy this? Um, I buy it for certain folks. You know, because there are probably times where – if you are a really competitive college football player, but you also have maybe an eye on, you know, your life after that, but you don't come from a, you don't come from money. Now, say somebody like Andrew Luck, right? I mean, he came out after his senior year instead of his junior year, and if he had come out his junior year, then he still would have been the number one overall pick. But in Andrew Luck's case, this doesn't necessarily apply because you know he's Andrew Luck's son, right? Like he he came from money, and it doesn't necessarily matter to him, but. So if you're somebody like that and you have a choice usually of leaving college and going to the NFL and starting to make money, usually you start to go to the NFL and you start to make money because it, it, there's nothing that you can do to um, up your value, right? So if guys are going to say, all right, well, I could stay in school, I could get an endorsement deal from X national brand, and then I can get my degree and I can start to set myself up better for life after football, maybe that's something that they'll consider. But I think that that would only probably be a handful of guys because at the end of the day, like a lot of these players, and this actually goes back to something I thought about in college, and like there's maybe some column that you can search on the Columbia Daily Spectator from this that I wrote my senior year. Like I thought that it makes sense if, you know, um, college athletes are able to use their name, marriage, and likeness just to advertise for whatever it could be. You know, like at Columbia, there were different places, um, like this little restaurants, right? You know, you want to advertise for V&Ps, and they could give you a couple extra bucks. You know, you want to advertise for the Columbia bookstore, you could do that, you know, or whatever bookstore it is that's around. Like, there are ways that these student that, that athletes can make money and profit off of what the school is profiting off of. And I just feel like, there's only what if you're talking about like power five athletes, people who are going to be drafted in maybe like the second, third round. Like there's only going to be a couple of them that would say, "No, I'll stay here because I can still make some money while I'm in school." I, I don't think that the return of like a second or third round guy 
and what he can make off of the name, image, and likeness is going to match what you can make if you go to the NFL and you sign that four-year guaranteed contract. So if the guy's in upper echelon where you know, you're like, all right, well, I could do this and I could set myself up better, then maybe they go for that. But I don't think it'll be too many guys that really take that, that part of it into consideration all that much when the NFL is coming for you and, like, you know, you're going to be a premium pick and you're going to be somebody that can really do something on the field and have a long, good career. Well said, Miles. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right, gentlemen. Take care. There he is. Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk. October 13th, 2016. Miles Simmons, student athletes are not all amateurs. Columbia Spectator. Check wow. it out. <laughs> you had to look it up. Oh, you thought it was fitting? I found it. No, I found it. I just wanted to find it and plug it for him. <laughs> get, the, yeah. get the clicks on the Columbia paper. By the way, very interesting. Uh, you know the name Dorian Thompson Robinson. I was just looking at his uh, Twitter during the day, and uh, he was he was posting some stuff saying, all right, let's go. Let's go. And right at the yeah. top of his uh, Twitter handle, it says, business, marketing, inquiries, contact his email address. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Brought to you by Nova Home Loans. You see a pair of laughing eyes. And suddenly you're sighing. You heard uh, Power Voice Leon. We don't mess around. We found someone else who doesn't mess around. Uh, I'm not saying I'm like the most intense sauce guy when it comes to fast food joints, but I like my sauce. I like to dip. I'm a dipping kind of guy. So I have certain places that I I really, they got to nail it. Make sure you give me the freaking sauce. Now, am I going to drive away and, like, completely flip out because my favorite fast food chicken fingers don't have the Frank's Red Hot with it? Not to the point where I'm going to go back and want to beat someone down or, like, you know, threaten everyone in the building. It's not that serious. I I If, well... I guess if I'm on the road, I don't have sauce. That's eh, pretty serious. But you just deal with it. You deal with it. I'd get creative. Eh. Where's this guy who had a trouble with McDonald's? Iowa. Oh, no. Here we go. I mean, listen, the sauces are very important. If you order McNuggets. I know. I, I don't know when the last time you had them was. Like, I'll say this. Like, McNuggets are... A weird item, but they are delicious. But they're really only delicious with the sauce. Uh, I'll tell you, the last time I had them was actually the eating contest we had. That's I don't I don't really get them. I think it's the last time I had them. But I, but I real but I realized then when they got all steamed and kind of chewy that they definitely needed sauce. So we don't know what sauce he asked for. That's very important details here because there's really only one way to go with the sauce. Uh, at, at McDonald's, uh, other places are different, but McDonald's you get a, a barbecue and a sweet and sour, and you kind of rotate them. Okay, because they it's really the it only. Say, it does say in the story they forgot his sauce is, so he may be the same as you. 
He needs yeah. a perfect combo of two sauces. Right. Or else. So he picks up the order. He gives him a nugget. He gets home. Realizes they didn't. This freaking place did not give me my sauces. It is over. And he decides to do what anybody would do. Go back in that. Uh, no, call it a bomb threat. He called in a bomb threat because he didn't get his sauces. Okay. Listen, it's excessive. I get that. But I also understand where he's coming from. Okay. You tried, have you tried to eat those without the sauce? We just mentioned it's not the easiest thing. It's not. So you get home, you're like, and here's the other thing. You also hit on the other part of this. What happens when you let him sit out for like 10 minutes? Not good at all. Rough. So if I'm going to go back in and now go get sauce, now it's useless. Now I've got just old, hard nuggets with, you know, finally get the sauce, but you you, you can't do that. Could you save a, uh, a group of nuggets by throwing them into your mini waffle maker and making them into waffle shapes as you're reheating them? No. It's a good Not a bad idea. idea. Not a bad idea. idea. <laughs> All right. This one's weird because we're, uh, we're waffle fanatics. By the way, where did you have waffles on the uh, pancake waffle French toast rankings? Uh, I think first. Oh, you did? Okay. Not last. Yeah. Um, I, I had them in the middle. I had pancakes, waffles, and then French toast. Today we're honoring the waffle, but we're not just – it's not just the – it's actually National Waffle Iron Day. When – Ari puts together these lists of national food days. When did we start honoring the the tools that make the food? When is National Can Opener Day? Right? I mean, National Air Fryer Day with this show can't be far behind. National Waffle Iron Day? It seems excessive. I don't think is we there, do that. Is there just a National Oven Day? By the way, isn't every day National Waffle Iron Day? I don't know how many waffles you eat. None, but I, I mean, if if they're, you know, if we're going to have a national waffle iron day, it should be every day. Yes. We uh, also did. did by, by the way, I I clicked on the hashtag for National Waffle Iron Day. Yeah. And the aforementioned who we just talked about, uh, Willie Ramirez, this morning. Yes. Uh, all over it. Yes. Did you see the waffle yeah. he made today? It's impressive. It's it's overflowing in the waffle iron. Um, I think that may be the waffle iron picture may be a stock photo. He actually has okay. a picture of a waffle he made. Uh, he's got fruit all over it. He's got, yeah. uh, Ari gets very excited about this, some powdered sugar. It looks like he's got orange slices to keep off the scurvy. And as I argued with you last week when we had that dork who got punished by his fantasy league for finishing him last, so he had to go to Waffle House, and he was supposed to eat you know, 24 waffles and the guy down like four and he's like, oh, I'm, oh, I'm sick to my stomach. That the waffle that Willie's got there. Can we send this out on ESPN Las Vegas? Important things. Willie's waffle. That's a waffle. Not the little thin waffle. And again, I love Waffle House, but it, they're thin waffles. That's I, that. That is a Belgian waffle that Willie's got on his plate. I don't think you could tell the depth from this photo. I can, I can tell it. I feel like you can. I mean, there's a lot of toppings. Which does change the kind of perception. It's got to have the deep crevices. If it doesn't, it's not going to hold strawberries and powdered sugar well. The thin waffle, it's, it's going to be a mess. 
Well, you could make the argument Waffle House waffles are so good they don't need all that extra stuff. I but I would I would be with you yeah. that uh this is the proper way to go with a waffle, just stuff everywhere, things all over it. Same with pancakes, like a like a s'mores pancake. That's the way to eat a pancake. We've got breaking news on Trey Young. No segue for that. It's not good. Uh, we'll get the reaction from uh, Sammy P from Nesson. What do you do now that Trey Young is out of Game Four? The phone lines are open, and we want to hear from you. Call 702-364-1100 and tell us what's on your mind. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. Craziness. Craziness. Oh, man. What does this number jump to? What's the latest update, Adam? We have it. If not, Sammy P is with us. Nesson, Sam Paniotovich. Well, Sam, the game's changed tonight with the Bucks and the Hawks. No Trey Young. Yeah, we're looking at this uh, betting screen right now. It looks like a Christmas tree. Red, green, yellow, uh, every which way. Oh, Ari, by the way, I give Ari some credit. Ari informed me that Trey Young was out, your producer. I'm like, yeah, sorry. I'm watching the screen. That's why I didn't answer your first two calls. I'm trying to figure out where this number could go. Uh, some offshore books went to nine and a half, but, you know, usually the threshold for a, an ARB guy or a wise guy, they're going to take a number that's three points higher than market or three points lower for that matter. So when it went from six and a half to eight and a half, nine, some of the books are just going to move to get ahead of it, of the, uh, of the slamming, I guess. And then, Nine and a half was pretty much the highest it got, and now we're seeing some of those books come back to nine. So I don't think we're not going to see ten, ten and a half. Uh, right. I think if you're waiting for like this big blast towards Atlanta, they, they've already adjusted and over adjusted. So it's I think nine. If you have a nine right now and you like it, I don't even know that the lines are going to stay at nine. It might start dipping back to eight and a half. And just to tell the audience, uh, I, I asked uh, Ari to tell you, you know, just in case, just in case you didn't hear the news, we don't want to catch you off guard. And, you know, you're in Boston, could be doing happy hour, uh, you know, Drunky McDrunkerson's, a uh, Boston legendary bar or somewhere like that. So we're, we're, we're trying to help you out. We're trying to help you out. It's a very fair counter, but uh, yeah. no, I, I think it was funny. He's like, hey, did you know Trey Young was out? I'm like, it's my job. I better. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, all right. Well, there goes the uh, the Trey apocalypse that's been going down with all the props. So, uh, what's been happening lately? And then, my God, I mean, now it's all speculation. I mean, what if he doesn't come back? Yeah, it's it's really a loaded question, and there's you know a lot of dominoes that could fall. You know, I, I talked to one guy who just took down his prop markets for the entire game because now he's you know he's really up against it, and he's up against you know hardcore band. Uh, basketball handicappers and also hardcore numbers guys when it, when a move like this happens at 747 on the east coast 45 minutes before tip a lot of the trading guys have already gone home so i think some bookmakers are sort of they're rolling dice right now they're they're trying to move guys like you know collins and bogdanovich and kevin herter and they don't know what to do because trey young when you think about trey young I think it was the first game of this series when he was responsible for, what, 70-plus points one night, scoring and assisting. So not only does he put the ball in the basket, he makes everybody else better, and usually on their home floor, the supporting cast plays better. So if you're a bookmaker now, not only do you have to avoid all the Trey Young bets, but you have to move the market 
on so many different things. And I think for some people, just, hey, flip the switch, turn it off, let's recalibrate, because you don't want to be hung out to dry on a guy like Kevin Herter, who now probably is going to take 10 more shots. Or maybe Collins gets eight more shots. So all those numbers that were baked in with Trey Young playing are all dead. And if you don't take them down, you could be hung out to dry, like I said. I think when the, when the average person sees news like this, like, oh, Trey Young out, they immediately run and try to get as quickly as they can down uh, on, on the Bucks. And you say, all right, I got to bet the Bucks. I got to bet the Bucks for the series. I got to bet everything I can. I mean, is there any any sense or any value to saying, you know what? I'll, I'll take the Hawks' chances to stay in this game or even stay in the series. It's such a good question because when you think about usage and minutes, Trey Young's probably the most important player on the floor. I would argue that I think he's worth more than two, two and a half points to the line. Um, he's the head of the snake. So it's, but it's that old question, like, did you miss the number? Because now if you lay eight and a half or nine, it was six and a half if you were to guess and bet ahead of the move. I, mean, I thought, honestly, Adam, the other side of this that people don't really talk about is, you know, books consider that he had a bone bruise and that he's not going to be as quick and he's not going to cut as well and he may not get lift on the jump shot. So you look at the way the line grew from game three to game four, just this morning, the number was six and a half, but the line for you know game number three is four, four and a half. So they had already adjusted it two points, assuming he's not going to be near 100%. Now you tack on two and a half, three more points for the news, the official news. So really, this market from tip-off game three to tip-off game four has moved five points. That makes more sense for Trey Young, but I think this is... Like, this is a fair number. I, I, you missed the move, obviously. If, if you're listening now and you want to lay nine, you could have laid six and a half, seven and a half, eight within the last 20 minutes. But I'm in no rush to take Atlanta because Trey Young has been keeping Atlanta afloat. You know, they started to unravel when he left the game early third quarter, late third quarter last game. So I think the number's right at nine. I think it's all adjusted. It's a five point move. And. And now, you know, you're just you're betting against a Hawks team or on a Hawks team that you don't know how it's going to play. And it's, that's why I stay away. I wrote this for Fox today. I've been riding these Trey Young props, the overs, the three-point overs. How can you bet it when you don't know how healthy he's going to be? You're not betting against him as a player. You're betting against something you don't know. And that's when you can get in trouble because you have no edge. It works with Nesson, as you heard, Fox Sports as well, Sam Paniotovich. All right. You know, one thing I've been lamenting when I track all these different markets and different books and, and books that are in this state and other states, why don't we get to boost our bets? I want to boost my bet. <laughs> yeah, I'm going at it with DraftKings last night, you know, because they, they, they boost things like they take a team from like plus 150 to plus 200. And they're like, wow, look at this great boost. Or they bust a, uh, they boost a, you know, a five-point home favorite from minus 200 to plus 100. And it's, it's really still a coin flip oftentimes. So, you know, DraftKings is like, well, we let you guys pick the boost. Well, yeah, numbnuts. What do you think they're going to boost? The Suns at home or the Clippers on the road to win the game? Like, they know what they're doing. So DraftKings came out today, and a lot of people were, you know, talking smack in their mentions. They actually did this boost today, which is a very good boost. They took Giannis from minus 500 to plus 100 to, to have a double-double. He's done it, I believe, in 11 of the last 12 games. But because they've been picking these boosts that usually don't win, they've been getting it from every direction. So today they're giving you a free space. They're trying to save face. But I always laugh at 
people that go, wow, look at this odds boost from 2-1 to one to 8-1. to one. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter. You give 20-1, to one, you ain't going to win. Uh, it, one book in Illinois, it was funny, this past football season, they gave a, a boost on Nick Foles, quarterback Nick Foles, Chicago Bears legend Nick Foles. Oh boy. Let's uh let's boost Foles from three to one to six to one to throw for four hundred yards and three touchdowns. He didn't do that all season. So like they boost things that aren't going to win anyways to make you feel like you got value, but I would argue in a thousand boosts at whatever sports book, maybe three hundred win. Maybe. Sam, what do we do with the Stanley Cup? Because it looks lopsided. Do we? I already bet Montreal back at plus five hundred. But as I've told the audience and you, I have the Lightning three to one to win the series. So I felt good about hey, let me just win something. But what do we do here? So some a specialty bet? Is it an over bet? Is it a period bet? What do we do? Yeah, one of my favorite hockey handicappers. He watches like every game every season. His name is Alex Smith. And last year he was the guy that told me about the first period overs in the Lightning and the Dallas Stars series. And I believe in the first four games it hit, and it hit in four of six or five of six. I'm almost positive on that. Uh, So this year, he talked to me about how well the Lightning adjusts after the first 20 minutes. He's like, that's one of the best-scoring second-period teams in hockey. And if Tampa scores early, first period, early second period, Montreal sort of comes out of the turtle shell. I don't know if you guys watched the second period last night in game one. There could have been at least six goals, and that's not even hyperbole. Uh, Vasilevsky almost let one in off the faceoff. A post was hit, a crossbar was hit, an empty net was missed, and two goals were scored. You can bet this that a lot of books give you totals for periods, one, two, and three, and you usually get about over one-and-a-half goals, second period, minus 120 or so. I think you got to roll that through because it cashed in game one. And, <laughs> buddy, I'm not even playing. There should have been five or six goals in the second. Like, Tampa's so good at making adjustments and getting good scoring chances. And the more chances you get, the more likely it is to go over. And I think that's another good play. Second period over in game number two. I'm going to play it till it doesn't hit. I agree. Uh, Alex is awesome on hockey. Uh, we got to close on this. Is, I'm sure there are great experts on soccer, but apparently uh, right now there's too many soccer betting experts on social media. I've seen a couple people that, that all of a sudden pick soccer. I'm like, I know this person doesn't know soccer, but they're firing <laughs> five-unit soccer plays and money line parlays. And, like, I don't know. Hasn't the Euro been around for two weeks? Has it been? It's been two weeks, right? Yes. How are you down 10 units in two weeks or 15 units or 20 units? Like People are just firing darts in soccer. You're never going to see me give a soccer pick because I don't watch it. I don't know it. I could name two players on the pitch. I'm not going to act like an expert, though. And I think there's this, there's this rush for sports betting content where people are like, oh, yeah, I know soccer. Well, do you? So just be careful following soccer picks from somebody you don't know. It's a dangerous slope, man. August 23rd, a Monday night, Adam and Ari are going to get their wings and pizza from our uh, our Avs Knights bet. How does that sound? That sounds great. I will uh, I will be belly up at the bar, assuming that's still possible by then. I hear different things. You never know around this yeah. country. But 
if yes. if uh, if they're ready to go, man, I'll meet them after the show and uh, we can shout out. We'll we'll put yours in the mail. I hear you're going east. We'll put yours in the mail. We'll FedEx. <laughs> I just I may as well just come up and meet you sometime in Boston because our paths never I cross. I honestly think it, it's starting to get personal at this point. Every time I come to town, you're like, oh yeah, I've got a funeral that week. I'm like, it's six <laughs> weeks out. How do you know that? <laughs> uh, as you said, I might be here in the end, so maybe I'm canceling my vacation. But let's uh, fingers crossed none of that's going to happen. All right, Sam, we appreciate it, buddy. All right, boys. See you later. There he is, Sam Paniotovich, Nessin. He does a Chicken Dinner podcast up at Chicken X Dinner, and I know uh, today he was talking about hysterical wedding props. I'm down with that in a future conversation. All right, on the way back, he did it, he did it, he did it, he did it. Yeah, Flory won. Want more Cofield and Company? The guys are back with their late night pod tonight at 1030. Watch at Steve Cofield on Twitter or on YouTube. From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Great spot. That was awesome. And I really meant it. If we change it to just who's getting the alcohol, we're just going to get drunk all the time. I'm going to nominate myself. Some horse's ass who does not love this country. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Five o'clock hour. Cofield and company here on this Tuesday. We're heading towards playoff basketball, Bucks and the Hawks. Oh, no. No Trey Young. Line goes from six and a half to eight and a half. So we'll see what the Hawks can do. And, uh, you know, as I was suggesting earlier, the Bucks have had some issues in the past dealing with prosperity. So we'll see if they uh, overreact by relaxing too much. Apparently, uh, Charles Barkley has a solution for the Hawks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he just said that they need to start Jeff Teague now. Which is kind of a problem since Jeff Teague is on the Bucks. Late trade? <laughs> Apparently. I'm assuming that is going viral. It is. It's blowing up right now on Twitter. Oh, boy. Uh, I'll give you the number one story right now. Breaking news within the last 15 minutes. Mark andre Fleury. The best goalie in the NHL this year. He's won the Vesna for the first time in his, uh, what, 16, 17-year career. So we'll give more details on that. Really cool for the Golden Knights. Really cool for the guy who will be getting a statue someday here in front of the Fortress. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. Where apparently there is nothing more important in the world to Ari then who is going to be following Trebek as the full-time guy on Jeopardy? He sends me updates every day. So today I was like, all right, let's get it in the show. All right, so the latest is what? Doc Gupta, Sanjay Gupta, is going to be hosting. We think the front runner is LeVar Burton. Uh, they haven't named anyone yet. Are they just waiting on Aaron Rodgers to opt out? His deadline for the NFL to bolt on the season is Friday. I mean, I, I think they're waiting for Rodgers. I think that's who they want the most. I think that's their preferred target. Ari, pop on. Do you have someone you like so far? 
I'm I'm a LeVar Burton guy so far. I and I will admit this. I don't I don't really know Gupta. Like I've seen his name, I know he's a big on Twitter, but I've no I've never seen or heard of this guy, so maybe he's the guy. I don't know. Check him out. But I, yeah. I do I do hope if it is if he is gonna be the guy, um, if he's gonna be on, then stop with the medical advice stuff. Because I, I feel like even though you're a doctor, well, it's great. Gotta, he basically has to give up his other career that's on TV. Like I, I just feel like no more TV doctor. So that's it. No yeah. Doctor Oz. No Doctor Gupta. No, I feel like once you go like an entertainment route, like I, I don't, I like I feel like that's what you chose to do. Like I don't want you now. Like are you? What are you? Do? Are you spending your day researching and looking up? You know, it, you know, finding out the newest advances in medicine and all that, or are you hosting Jeopardy? Like I, I, I just I like, want you to pick one. I feel like you're hearkening back to when I needed good sexual advice. I believe the man was doing his homework in Doctor Drew. Uh, I, thought, I thought you were going at your age. I thought you were going to go Doctor Ruth. Well, well, <laughs> I didn't see any slippage from uh, Doctor Ruth. Uh, once March and April and and May and June hit last year, Doctor Drew didn't know what the blank he was talking about. No, and he didn't. Since, and he since apologized. So. You can either be an advice doctor or you can be an entertainer. You, you, you know. So yeah, I think you you're backing. Up, I think you're backing up my point. Yeah. Well, not really, because I actually trust Doctor Gupta. The the, uh, the ship sailed on uh, Doctor Drew. No, but I, I feel like once you like, if you want to go do Jeopardy, do Jeopardy. But now that you're a game show host, now you're not you're not giving me like advice on TV anymore about medical issues. Like you're, it's one or the other. Doesn't it seem like the position? Like, I think Trebek thought he was a doctor. Like he, like he wanted that kind of respect. Sure. sure. Like, do you think Trebek went out? Like, people are like, "Hey, Alex," or Alex, and he's like, yeah, "It's doctor." Doc, Doc Trebek. <laughs> it's doctor. Please. But, but, doctor, but it does... doctor of what? Doctor of what? Would Knowledge. you correct him? Yeah. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> but I do feel like uh, having those answers or the questions, technically, on the card. Just gives you that that confidence and that air of superiority. Yes, you're like I know everything. I've got the answers. Just there's so many times Trebek looked down at the card and he's just like, Jesus. Like, how do you, how do you not know this? How like, do you how not? Do... You have the card. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Oh. <laughs> and that's that's the thing. Uh, are any of the new people who are in the running? Can they match that level? Do they have to carve out a, a different persona? I don't see LeVar Burton being the person who's going to be all smug and Rogers. And Rogers has the smugness, and I think Gupta has he the smugness. But, but just mm-hmm. pick a lane, Doc. Number four. You know, we asked for a little clarification on uh, Euro soccer, and you went silent. Sam P was like, hey, when does things start? And we hear nothing from you. I'm just like, yep, that's when it started. I don't know. I don't know. I just want, I just want to give an answer. You left him hanging. And then meanwhile, you, you live and die with this stuff. Uh, yesterday, you're telling me about France and Switzerland. Oh, this is unbelievable. Historic upset. Today, you send over a note. You're like, wow, it was, it was really cool to see England eliminate Germany, uh, especially with Prince William. Well, it was just, I, I feel like when you said, like, England, England obviously, uh, you know, has a great soccer tradition, but hasn't necessarily fared too well in the international tournaments. Um, in this tournament, they got such an easy path, except for Germany. 
So Germany was like their big obstacle on this side of the bracket, and they got through it. So it was a great you know moment for England today. Uh, they should advance on to the final. They should get through these next two rounds. So uh, that'll be intriguing to watch and see if England can actually uh, come through and win this thing with some of the star power they have right now uh, on the roster. But, yeah, Prince William and family were there at the game today. And as England scored their first goal you know, pretty late in the second half in a 0-0 game, he like all these people on Twitter were like, he's going nuts, he's loving it. Like, he stood up and applauded. He was into the game for sure. Like, was he, he drinking? Was, he, stood up, he stood up. He's out of control. He, oh, he stood up. Yeah, yeah. Him, him and Kate stood up, and they were, you know, they were going. They were, they were loving it. But it wasn't exactly going crazy. But I think it's cool to see, you know, when there's a, you know, dignitary like that on that level of, you know, if it's a president of a country or uh, a ruler of a country, or in their case, a ceremonial leader uh, of a country. Like to see see him all into the game like that and standing up and cheering like that's that's cool. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Is there someone you can think of who's royalty here? Do not say the Kardashians and Jenners. No, that's, Where you'd be like, oh my god, they're oh my god, they're at the game. Because we know you showed no respect when DJT would show up to big games, and so I don't want to hear about Sleepy Joe at big games. So who would it be? Uh, well, I mean, Obama goes to a lot of games and loves it. Like, would it be Kendrick Lamar shows up? Like, what? What? I don't know. I mean, he's a sports fan, so I mean, that's I don't know who you idol. I don't know who you idolize now. Like, who are who K- are our Prince William? Um, we don't have royalty, obviously. I mean, I, I don't know. I think people consider the Kardashians like American royalty. I'm not. I'm not gonna accept that. I'm not gonna be into that. I'm not going to accept. Um, it. No, I'm not going to. Um, do we? I don't think we have anybody like that on that level, right? They made a pretty we, big deal when Jay, when Jay and Beyonce were. Uh... Side. Sure, but they're they're also sports fans, and I guess uh, Prince William is too. I, I just it's I guess it's different that he's British and royalty, and it makes it feel different the when he's all into a soccer game. But um, I mean, I guess he's probably a fan. He, he, he's at the game, he's loving it, so he must be a fan. Number three, decision is in. The Olympics just don't matter. For some of these basketball players. Although I backed them all up last week. I was like, do not play in the Olympics. If you need to get something done this offseason, like stay healthy, protect yourself at an older age, or get better, playing games in the Olympics is not what you need. So I'm sure Australia is freaking pissed because they were going to have a really competitive team with Ben Simmons. But uh, Ben Simmons won't be in the Olympics with the Aussies. And I say good move. Wouldn't this be the case where it would it would be beneficial? Like he wants to keep developing, he wants to stay. Now, maybe you don't want him to try to practice and develop with that pressure on him of trying to compete for the Australian team. But I, I don't think if you're Philadelphia, you necessarily mind, you know, him playing and trying to trying to work out some of the kinks in his game. And I know, don't like get, it. No, like go down there no. and work on free throws. No. What do you think? That's going to get his confidence back. I want to see him. Good. Go to a shot doctor and start to fix himself. Uh, you know, competing in the Olympics, I don't think he's going to get his confidence back. What? Here's the thing: What if he goes to the Olympics and they're like, "All right, hack a Ben, hack a Simmons," and they just do the same thing to him? Sure, but what if he, he goes further, there? And he, he, further, he further goes down the well. What if he goes there and he can score and he scores and he asserts himself as an offensive weapon and you know builds his confidence that way? I think it could, it could work out uh, in that manner. Like, yeah, I, I think that he needs to spend this offseason. Um, as you said, shot doctor, working on the free throws, like getting getting a lot of repetitions 
and, and making that happen. But you could possibly do that while you're playing and try to put it into practice. I mean, you could you could see the development of your game if you're if you're spending the next month working on your game, working on your shot. You could see how that development plays out in a game. Maybe build your confidence that way. I, I don't necessarily think it's it's the right way. I don't think it's the slam dunk to say that's what he should do. But I don't think it's that crazy to think that maybe you know playing the Olympics and and working out some of the things uh, that you're probably going to be practicing uh, in a competitive environment, it could be helpful. See what you think of these statements. Ben Simmons will never be a number one option on a team. He'll always be a number two. Paul George is not a number two. He's a number one. Well, I mean, Paul George is, uh, it's its weird. He's a number one right now just by default with Kawhi out, although it looks like Kawhi might return, which is bizarre and weird. Wait, what? Uh, I, I just saw some tweets like he's possibly thinking about playing in game six. Like, wait, what? Where did that come from? This is insane. Um, I know it is. The, the, I, I the, the, wor- it. the worst of the day-to-day lower body injury stories. I don't believe it. I believe he's seriously hurt and is not going to play at all. But yeah. um, I think they're going to do this every single game. Like, uh, he might come back. He might come back. Like, no, he's not coming back. Um, but, yeah, it, it's weird because will Ben Simmons always be a number two? Like, I think it's possible to be a pass-first number one. But I don't think that's how, how we characterize it, like, in the modern game. Um, when you're saying number one, you're saying the number one option to, sc- to go score uh, on the way down the floor. I think you could be a, a guy that handles the ball every time down the floor, uh, can get to the rim and distribute it to somebody. And then, you know, if he works on his finishing and his confidence around the rim, um, you could be a guy that is a pass first number one. But I, as a score first number one, as we characterize it now, like, no, he's not going to be that guy. That's always going to be a number one, though. You know that. Who do we throw the ball to when it counts the most? Who's going to carry us in the fourth quarter? How about this one? Yeah. What if I throw this one at you? Is Chris Middleton actually closer to a one than Paul George's? Then, because he's been no, incredibly no. up and down. That's surprise. You you were touting Paul George uh, and his consistency. Now last night he broke out again. He's broken out more than a few times in the playoffs, but he's been very consistent. Last night was crazy. Was forty one and thirteen and six assists and three steals and a ridiculous uh, shooting line of you know seventy five, fifty, and a hundred. Well, there's also differences between number ones, right? Like. Paul George is a number one by default because Kawhi's out. Paul George is a number one on a, you know, on a t- he was number one on a Pacers team, you know, back then. Um, he's a number two only because he's on the same team as Kawhi Leonard. But Paul George can absolutely be a number one. And, you know, depending on where he goes and what team he's on and what he's asked to do, because he pretty seamlessly, I think, went from number two to number one when Kawhi got hurt. Number two. Fitting, because you know who was never a number one, <laughs> in spite of the fact that he said he wanted to be, Scotty Pippen. All right, dude, you had your 15 minutes of fame when you played. You're great. You're a top hundred player all time. The post career 15 minutes of fame this last week, enough. All right, enough. And and Michael Jordan needs to come out and just say that's enough, because Jordan was way too nice. No, seriously, he was way too nice. Don't get me mad. He was way too nice on Pip in the documentary, and Scotty Pippen is out of freaking control right now. The stuff the last week, trying to go after Kevin Durant, who then clowned him and pointed out, like, dude, you wilted in the biggest moment uh, when you were leading the Bulls. Um, you know, let's not get even, you know, not even get into the, the financial stupidity exhibited, um, you know, when guys like Kevin Durant 
and Kyrie Irving not only excel on the floor and win championships, but they're also not dummies where they sign a terrible deal and then mope around for a couple of years and then potentially or, or essentially force the breakup of a freaking dynasty that could have gone on for a couple more years. Now, the latest one, now he's going back to the one that everyone talks about, which is, hey, he bailed from the game because he was mad that Tony Kukoc was probably going to get the shot. Uh, in speaking about that, he said, oh, you know why that happened? Because Phil Jackson is a racist. So he goes on with Dan Patrick, and Patrick's like trying to make sense of it. And you can just see where Scottie Pippen is coming from. He has always been a very insecure guy. I'm just going by what you said. You said you need to read between the fine lines. And then you go on to say it was a racial move to give him, Tony Kukoc, a rise. So, oh, I mean, if you knew that Scottie Pippen had been with the Bulls from 87, battled through the Pistons and every other team that we had to get to those three championships, wouldn't you give Scottie Pippen one opportunity to get a last second shot without Michael Jordan? Like, one year without Michael Jordan. Can I get one shot? I mean, on a radio show, Steve Cofield's got to have the final say in everything, and Steve has to have the strongest opinions, and Steve doesn't ask questions of his co-host because Steve needs to be the star. Um, can't Steve get a chance here? Now, that's a terrible analogy, but whatever. Like, what the third person just alone. It's a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Stop talking about Scottie Pippen as if he's some deity looking off from the in the distance, and Patrick's just like, I just want to know why you suggested Phil Jackson is racist. But all of that I understand from the basketball standpoint. But when so, you say a racial move. Well, why would why would Tony, who was a rookie, get the last second shot and you put me out of bounds? That's what I mean, racial. Like that was Scottie Pippen's team. But but Scottie Phil Pippen then, was but, but, on pace to be an MVP that year, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, why would you put him in a position not to be successful? Why wouldn't you put him in a position to succeed? Michael Jordan is not there. So who's next in line for you? I mean, this is lunacy. And if, if, Jordan, not, would have been, if Jordan would have been the number one option, wouldn't doesn't that kind of eliminate the racial element? Yeah, and I'm not saying it's not I don't I don't know. Maybe maybe there's gonna be like forty different players who come out and go, you know what, I kinda think that Phil was racist, but we've never heard this before. It's typical Scottie Pippen with the third person nonsense. And like, dude, you wilted in the situation. You created the situation. This is stupid. And now you're out of control, blathering on and on. Uh, Colin Cowherd on our sister station, Fox Sports, Las Vegas, 1340 and 98.9 FM, just went in on Cowherd. And he's like, dude, you, you know, you say you want to be the guy, but you never did want to be the guy. And here's the part that Scottie doesn't want to talk about. Scotty always wanted to be viewed as a one, paid like a one, get all the accessories of a one, the respect of a one. But if he played poorly, he wouldn't be around for the tough questions. That's part of being a one. Availability. Paul George, availability. Adam, say it. Availability. The best ability. Uh... <laughs> This is, it's so bizarre. Also, and I, Scotty, and I, I even, I, when we mentioned the initial dig on Kevin Durant, I even said, I was like, do I need to go here? I guess I do. Like, dude, you can't grade current day great players when your track record 
of, you know, your chance to step up has such a blemish on it and repeated blemishes. And even Kevin Durant was like, you protested your contract and effed up part of a season because you elected to not get a surgery on time and drag it into the season and be a freaking drama queen. Finish up, Herd. A lot of people want to be seen as a one, talked about as a one, paid as a one, but they don't want to do all the one stuff. And the longer Pippen took control of the Bulls after Michael left, the more he unraveled. Yep, it was too much for him. So, by the way, Scotty has also been going after Michael Jordan, which is ridiculous. It's so dumb. Uh, but he he sent out a tweet, and I don't know if you saw this. He said, hey, I'm just answering questions y'all are asking me. You wanted the headlines. You got them. Dig deeper to find out why I actually said what I said. Instead of framing your questions to get clicks, it's all love. Like, dude, what are you talking about? The, the questions are not set up to get clicks they're, they're asking you very simple questions you're saying these crazy things number one well he got it he did it yeah. all right that should cement it i'd love to see flurry win a stanley cup title here in las vegas i'm not sure that's going to be possible but uh this is the cherry on top of a really good career no grubauer no vasilevsky the best goalie Getting the Vesna 2021, Mark Andre Fleury. That's cool. Fleury got, I think, it's 16 first place votes. Vasilevsky was next with 14, and then Grubauer trailed. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Something I would have never imagined last year when we were talking about Fleury being done in Las Vegas and that Leonard was the franchise guy. But, you know, things change sometimes and opportunities arise. And Mark Andre Fleury took full advantage of the opportunity this year. And now he's been named the best goalie in the National Hockey League. So now there's a Vesna Trophy winner on the block. <laughs> Who wants him? Uh, but but I think go. Adam does not allow <laughs> celebrating or <laughs> reflecting or talking about the guy's greatness for even two seconds. Right to the trade. I think I think it's a cool. It's a very cool like, cap on the career. Not that he's done. You know, he still he still wants to keep playing and keep going, and um, you know, has, he believes he has a couple more years left. Uh, but this, he's a guy who, as much as we've talked about, has been one of the better goalies of the era. Has not that he's never won the Vesna. He's never been a finalist for the Vesna. He's never been one of the top three goalies in a single season in his career. And now at this age, when he was written off by many people, including me, um, has this unbelievable season. I think a lot of it was having another goalie uh, to to take a lot of the burden off him at po- certain points of the season. But Flurry had to take the you know take charge when Leonard was out and play every single night. And then down the stretch, when he started to fade a little bit, he got. Uh, those those breaks, so I think that was a big part of him being able to have this kind of a season. But all credit in the world to Mark Andre Fleury, who, as we as we said, was on the trade block last year, was very close to being traded, um, would have been traded. By the way, if any other team in the league would have wanted him, like there was teams that oh, were like, is, okay, I'm sorry, Adam, I was going to say this is a real you know shot at the rest of the league that someone sure. could have had him. Uh, basically, you know, he was going to be given away and, you know, look at what he turned in. Now, could he turn that in with another squad? Probably not, but he still would have been a very above average goaltender and uh, pretty cool stuff, you know, considering how dead in the water the whole thing seemed last year. Yeah, and again, somebody would have taken him, but the the question was like, okay, what are you going to give us to take him? Right. Like, anybody could have stepped up and made a deal to get Marc-Andre Fleury last year, and they wouldn't. And so... This is a this is a big hey you, nobody wants me here's what I'm gonna do and a very impressive year 
And uh, congratulations to Mark Andre Fleury for sure. From an analytics standpoint, there is going to be a team or teams out there that can look at this and go, hey, you know what? If we need a goalie for a couple of years, we don't have someone ready to go. This can be our guy. Yeah, but I, I don't know if anybody will take him at the deal, even even where it's at, even as good of a season as he had. I, I just don't know if you can get somebody to do that without taking some salary back. Do you think this award tugs at Bill Foley's heartstrings a little more, and all of a sudden there is going to be, a, again, an offseason fight over this thing, not splitting the goalies up? Maybe, or maybe it makes him, makes it a little easier to say, hey, listen, we got you the, the trophy that you never had. This is very cool. Great season you turned in. Thanks a lot. NBA basketball is on the way. Hawks and Bucks, short pregame, and then a tip of game four in this series. 